0: believe it's not just me it's many that I talk to friends that are saying God there's got to be more than just some mental assent to you God there's got to be more than some truth that gets me stimulated or excited about serving God on Sunday and then not transpiring into the week right for the next five or six days something that motivates me for a few hours but leaves me dry and confused throughout the week. And, and I just want to encourage us, be hungry for God's Word, because Daryl or Bethany or any Benji Nolo or anyone that comes up here and preaches, you know, we, God responds to the hearts of His people. And, 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 and I just encourage you, as you sit here, if you're hungry for God, if you're hungry for a touch or a breakthrough from His Spirit, put that on display as you hear someone preach. I encourage you, God will respond to your heart. That's what he's in the business of. We're going to be talking about that here today out of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. We're going to get right into it. Raise a hand. Anyone familiar with 2 Chronicles 20? 2 Chronicles 20 is about a chapter about in Israel's history. They have recently been separated into two groups, Israel and Israel. My wife just gave me a look, got me. Go. So. <laughs> they uh, recently uh, d- just had split into, um, into two, two, two parts, Judah and Israel. And a message had come to the Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah. And it was a warning. It was saying that there was an army coming against them. And this is a story about how Israel, how Judah responded to God in the midst of conflict. And I believe there's so much that we can apply as His people. This chapter, as I was reading it, it was verse after verse where it was just l- putting layers in my heart and just saying, God, this is, this is for us. And just confidence about what He wants to speak to us about. So we're going to get right into it. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 says, Now it came about... After this, that in the sons of Moab and the sons of Ammon, together with some of the Menunites, came to make war against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and reported to, to Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea out of Aram. And behold, they are Hazram Tamar, that is in Engedi." Jehoshaphat, his response was he was afraid. But I think it says he was afraid and he turned his attention to seek the Lord. And, you know, that's our natural response in life, isn't it? When major things come to the forefront, you know, warning of something coming is not a bad thing. That's mercy. When God sends a specific word to our hearts that's warning us of something that's coming. It's a test, right, of how we're going to respond to God. What are we going to posture our hearts in? Are we going to respond to God in the the ways he used to do it? Or certain victories, you know, like Israel, they had history and history, years and years of victories and powerful displays of God's um, strength in in their history for um, deliverance and setting them free from armies and different things coming against them. And so if anybody had the ability to kind of look back and and, and say, you know, he did it this way, this is how we are supposed to respond today. Um, I thought it was powerful that the king of Judah, the man of power, the man who's supposed to have all the answers, his response was he was afraid, but he turned to God to seek him. It's a powerful demonstration of the heart attitude, because you know the heart just as well as I do. It has so many crazy ideas in the moments of conflict. It said, he turned his attention to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. They even came from the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord, the God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? Are you not the ruler of the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hands so that no one can stand against you. He started to recall who God was, who he knew from his personal history from God. He started to bring up and stir faith. God, are you not the one who's all-powerful? He started to be a man of remembrance. And I think that's so key for us as the people of God, to be able to go back and to remember the places of deliverance and stir our hearts and our faith to know what God is capable of. You know, sometimes it's so easy, and, and we're so quick, or I know I am. When I say we, it's me. You know, and I'm sure some of you guys can can relate to that. So so we, me, just misspeaking. Miss, miss um, you know, so easy, you know, go back to just... The instant reaction, like an impossible situation, and, and these people, listen, their impossible situation is a little different than ours. I mean, literally, they had wives and kids, and there was an army that was three times bigger, getting ready to kill them all. Like, you know, I get kids. That's a reality when I start to think about that. You know, my problem is like, oh, man, how am I going to pay this bill? Or, oh, man, you know, I just... This test coming up, and these are all real, like I'm not trying to discredit them, but I'm saying the same response, you know, this man in complete desperation, he didn't freak out and just go into hiding or do something crazy out of his own human understanding of what should happen in the situation. He put himself before God and said, God, we have to have your wisdom. And he started to stir his faith. He said, are you not the God of the heavens? Are you not the ruler of the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hands so that no one can stand against you. Did you not drive out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel and give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? They have lived in it. You have built for you a sanctuary. Therefore your name saying, should evil come upon us, the sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house. And we cried to you in our distress, and you will hear us, and you will deliver us. He started out being afraid, but at the end of this thing, of this plea and cry before God, he ended out with confidence. God, you will hear us. You will deliver us. This is the history I have with you. You are a God who delivers your people. You are a God who's committed to seeing your purposes come into completion through your people. All Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. They were standing in unity before the Lord. There wasn't a remnant off trying to do their own thing. I know I'm hammering it home, but I think it's so important, this place of dependency. Then in the midst of the assembly, the Spirit of the Lord, he came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benani, the son of Jeriel, the son of Matani, the Levite, the son of Asaph. And he said, listen. <laughs> Holy Spirit, thank you. Listen, (laughs) all Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. So powerful. They sought God and he answered. God answers us. Come on. God answers in in moments of desperation when our hearts are humble before him and say, God, you're the answer. Like Will was was uh, singing on the mic, praying on the mic. Jesus, you are the answer. There is something so powerful about that simple statement where there's so many things in life, chaos or needs or wants or struggles. Jesus, you're the answer, meaning you satisfy those areas. You make the stormy waters calm. You allow me to see from the mountain and not from the valley. You allow me to rightly perceive and and determine what's going on around me by your wisdom. You give me eyes to see, Jesus. So good. He answers us. God of creation, it blows my mind, all-powerful God, opens his mouth and he says, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not fear or be dismayed. Halfway through my notes, we good? Good. Okay, anybody for basketball after church in 10 minutes? <laughs> we good? Cook out of my house. Um. <laughs> you know, it's powerful. He says, do not fear is a response to Jeho- Jeho- Jehoshaphat's heart. You know, he was, it said he was afraid when he heard the news. Rightly so. Rightly so. It said he was afraid. And I, and I, and I thought it was powerful because it reminded me of a scripture in, first, in, in Philippians chapter 1. And, and it said, Paul was saying... Um, uh, uh, what does he say? Oh yeah, our confidence, this is a powerful, powerful verse. Our confidence is a, um, our confidence in, in God is a sign to the enemy's end. Literally when we stand, when all hell is breaking loose around us, our confidence before God and our dependency in the face of what's, Like Marlene preached last week, there's fact and then there's truth. The fact is, chaos is happening. The fact is, is all things are bearing down on me and I don't see a way out. But the truth is, is God is a God of kindness and a God of commitment to the heart of His people. And it says, not only is it for your own good, but it literally is a sign to the principalities. That little sign of saying, and it's not just like some innate thing like, oh, I don't have confidence. It's stirring your faith up, stirring remembrance. God, you are the God who delivers. God, you delivered us from the Ammonites. God, you delivered us from the Philistines. I remember and I recall the accounts of David where, where he stood in the face of all that opposition. And opposition. Opposition. I hope you guys are taking notes. When you stood in, in the face of all that Opposition. But there was a declaration that was being made to heaven. Come on, guys. Your life is not insignificant. Your life is on display. Call your heart. Call my faith into holy remembrance of God and confidence in who He is and what His nature has proven to be through our lives and throughout history because it is a sign. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come up to the ascent of Ziz, and they will find them at the end of the valley in front of the wilderness. You need not to fight in the battle. I would have been like, this guy's not a true prophet. Go down there and just stand there. You'll be good. (laughs) You you guys are good. Don't worry. Go down there, right? I mean, come on. you got kids. i got Elijah, Zoe, and Jeremiah, all under six. I'm like, let's go, guys. That guy, remember him? He usually does say some pretty crazy stuff. The prophet guy, you know, the son of those three people. Let's go down there. We're good, right? It's not a. It's not an easy thing to be obedient sometimes to the voice of God in the middle of this type of crisis. Come on, it's God. Sometimes asks us to do the impossible so that it activates the faith to release the impossible from heaven. You know, Jesus. You don't need to fight this battle. You need to have faith to believe good news in the midst of hardship. Yeah, sometimes God's instruction, like I said, goes against our wisdom, right? Do not fear, he says again, and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out to face him, for God is with you. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. This is the king humbling himself in dirt before his people. Not a normal sign to be seen. Jehoshaphat bowed his head and his face to the ground, and Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord and worshipped the Lord. In response, they believed. That heart of faith was there. The test was proven right. Their heart was God's. They were his people. Their dependency was upon him. And as a whole country, they fell before God and they worshipped. They weren't trying to convince themselves. You know, the way I take it and read it there is that they were moved to worship. They were moved because they believed full-heartedly that the voice of God had spoken to them. The Levites from the sons of Kohonites and from the sons of Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a very loud voice. There was a major celebration that took, took place. It says, they rose early in the morning and they went, out to the, they went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And then they went out to Jehoshaphat and stood and said, listen to me. And I think it's powerful. Another little thing that I saw is they got the prophetic word. They rejoiced in God. They were full of faith. And they got up early. Have you ever had that? Like you got a major prophetic word for your life, and it revitalized your mind, soul, spirit, and body. Everything that came alive. You were you were up early the next morning, praising God because that was the day it was going to be fulfilled. But you were wrong. It had to take some time. But anyways, yeah. They (laughs) but you got up and you're just like, oh, today's the day that the Lord has made. Let's get this. Shoot, there's still an army there. So they rose early in the morning and they went out to the wilderness. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, and what a, what a stark difference from the first day. He said, listen to me, O Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord, he reminded them, and you will be established. Put your trust in his prophets and succeed. Their fear was gone. Worship was at the forefront. They were seeing God rightly. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord, and those who praised him in holy attire. And they went out before the army and said, Give thanks to the Lord, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Just a powerful image. I mean, foolishness in the eyes of man. They went out to worship in the face of swords. They literally went out to, to the edge of the wilderness where this army was, and they worshipped. They put the, the Levites out front to worship God and to make declaration of his goodness. When they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Amon and Moab. One little point that I'm being reminded of. Amon and Moab, these were people that were in the promised land when they first came in, and they didn't deal with them then, right? So these, if you go back to his prayer, he says, you know, these people in, in Amon and Moab, they were, they were when we first came in and they were never dealt with. And this is like our hearts, things that, that creep in and that we justify or push back or roots of bitterness or, or, or judgments against somebody or, or certain things that lay root that we don't allow God to fully deal with, but we just kind of cover it over because we feel justified. We give, the big thing that's come to my mind is probably because it's going to deal with most of, most of us is offense, right? Somebody. Somebody out there that's done something to you at some point because it's, it's life, Right? And, and sometimes if we don't deal with those things, they get covered over and covered over and they're like a seed. And eventually, they, the time goes by and you forget about the initial offense, but something starts growing there that you don't remember even what the root cause of it was. Until there's this full-blown full tree and there's this full-blown fruit and Uh, reactions are popping out in the midst of anger that you don't even know why you're acting that way. And there's these things that are coming out that you don't know where they started from. And I believe right now, I just feel like the Holy Spirit saying that is touching some hearts. That's touching my heart. Go there. Allow the Holy Spirit to go there. Don't be reserved in that place because if God touches on it, it's grace to deal with it and to to put a hand down and lift you out of that place and bring more healing to that place because God wants, you know, the fullness of our hearts. And it's it does nothing. Nothing good. It's like cancer. We we know this. Let's see if I can get back on track here. Give thanks to the Lord. It says, for His loving kindness is everlasting. When they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon and Moab in Mount Seir, who had come against Judah. So they were routed. For the sons of Ammon and Moab. Rose up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, destroying them completely. And when they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped destroy one another. <laughs> Makes sense. Partying the night before. I don't know. I've, I've honestly looked at that and said, man, that's a face value. That's a tough one. One army, two armies, three armies are coming up against, right? They're coming up against the, the uh, Judah. And they go out and they stand on the edge of the valley and they looked in the wilderness and all of a sudden, like, what is going on down there? They just started killing each other. Two armies started killing one. The craziest thing, though, is when those two armies killed that one, they just started killing each other. And then even God just topped it off by saying not one was left. So what basically means is, like, picture it, me and Darrell, the last two guys in the fight, we don't know why we're fighting. (laughs) Weren't we supposed to be doing something else? Kill each other at the same exact time, we fall over. Not one person survived. God is God of the impossible. What seems like something that can't shift in your life, right? Like what seems like a a wall to your prophetic destiny over your life. God's spoken something and you say, God, when is this going to come to pass? This is impossible. Like Sarah and and Abraham, this is impossible. God, how the heck? I'm 99 years old. How am I going to have a baby? This is crazy. Whatever the promise is, whatever the resistance is in your life, whatever the hardship is that's real and alive and huge and immovable. God's saying, I'm the God of the impossible here. That's what he's saying to me. And they help destroy one another. Not a not a good story. History book. History, a moment in history where God intervened and people just started killing each other. When, when Judah came out to the lookout, to a high place in the wilderness. I love that. In the place of worship and praise, they found a high place. All of a sudden, in that place, they got perspective to see something. They looked toward the multitude, and behold, there was corpses lying everywhere. And not one person had escaped. Come on. Come on. There is a moment. Press on. Don't give up. Don't give up. There is a moment in your struggle. There is a moment that you're pressing towards and believing for. Where God will give you eyes to see the victory He is doing in your life. There are going to be glimpses, like they said, they saw things going on, but then God brought them up to a higher place, and they saw what really had gone on. Not one person survived. Then Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil. They found so much among them, including goods, garments and valuable things, all the spoils which they took for themselves, more than they could carry. Actually, it took three days taking the spoils because there was so much for them to carry. All because they responded rightly. Let's think one 24-hour period before. breakthrough seemed like the furthest thing from their lives. It seemed like it was so distant and far off for them. Further than it had ever been. 48 hours before, there had been no report, no warning. Every four hours before, there was a report. There was terror. People thought their children were going to die. They thought they were going to die. And a boy came and said that God was on their side. Don't give up at the end. What what feels like the end of the rope, and this is, I know a lot of you have experienced it too in your life like I have, is that usually at the darkest day is right when that door opens and, and God ushers into a new season for your life. And you know what? There's promises of God for your day, for your life that are true. You know, but one promise is, is it, one thing that's not promised is that you're not going to face hardship. That's just so important to get because there's so much type of language out there in the Christian community that it's like you're, I, don't, I hate to use that statement, Best best life now, but like, you know, like, Everything's going to be grandiose in your Christian walk with God. Just, just follow God and, and, and all will be well with your soul. Just trust in Him and, and, and you're going to have no problems. You're going to prosper. You're going to, every year of your life is going to multiply. And if you're, if you're doing it right, then right fruit should come from it. And that's garbage because, you know, it's actually promised the opposite. You're going to face hardship. But God has said, I won't forsake you. I won't leave you. There's coming a day. where where you will see him and you will be rewarded. It says there will be no sorrow, no tear, there will be no torment or fear. There's coming a day sooner than than we we believe where we will stand before him and we will receive the reward of eternal life. I'm telling you, it's like some big idea in the sky like at the end of the the day with Christianity. But the reality is this, is that it's true. We're going to take an account for what we've done in our life. It's the reality. What The choices we're making now do play a part then. If your faith is in Jesus, if your, if your dependency and trust is in God as your only way to the Father, guess what you're in? But you're going to take an account. Everything, every choice, every word it says, even every thought and motivation of the heart, you're going to take an account for. And God says, it says it's the Bema seed it's called. A judgment seat. It's a, not the judgment in or out, but the judgment of reward. There's an eternal uh, period, never-ending. Blow your mind. I know it's English language. But the reality is you think about this never-ending period where you will be rewarded for this life. It is worth the fight. Don't give up. Tell myself this every day. Don't give in. It is worth what I'm facing. Tomorrow is not promised, but today is, and what I'm going to do with it will matter. Come on, guys. If we can get a hold of this one thing, perspective shifts. I already feel, as I'm speaking this, God challenging my heart in certain areas. What are you giving your time to? What are you giving your attention and focus to, your finances to? What are you investing your life in? Is it for the the, the short and the temporary? And I just feel like it's an invitation. God's saying there's certain things He's touching on today, this morning, in our hearts that... One, let's deal with those things. Let's let God go there. Let's let healing come. That's one thing I've been praying all week for is that certain areas, hidden places in our hearts that we're not even aware of anymore would come to light to our own self where we would be able to deal with them. We, we wouldn't run. We wouldn't place the, the Band-Aid. I love a prophetic word I heard one time. The guy said the wound that's in your heart, you know, you, you keep putting a Band-Aid over, but, you know, there's coming a time. God's going to heal that. It used to be the wound, and it would always remind you of the pain of, of that childhood experience. But now there's going to be a scar. And you know what the scar will remind you of? The healing power and commitment of God to your life. And I believe that that's what he wants. But there's one thing. He's a gentleman. He's saying, uh, invitation, like, like Daryl's saying, come to me. Come to me. You hear it all through Scripture. Come to me. You're heavy laden. Not, I'm forcing myself on you. He's saying, come to me. Like them, faith arise out of their hearts. God, we need you. It's not a bad place. It's actually the place he's trying to direct our hearts to on a consistent basis. Whether we're in want or whether we're in need or whether we're in plenty, it doesn't matter. We have a dependency in a place in our heart where we're saying, God, you are what we need. God, ultimately, you are our heart's cry. You are the answer uh, in our day. Like I was saying earlier, the information age, it's not going to do anymore. I, 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 I'm fully convinced in my heart where, where our generation is seeing and the degradation and moral values in our country and in the world we are not going to see what we want to see by a good popular message that doesn't challenge anybody or a self-help message that, that, that shouldn't be coming from the pulpits anymore I believe that God is raising up men and women voices in the earth that are going to challenge the hearts of men and you know what there will there will be a dividing a wheat and chaff there will be the sons and daughters rising up in demonstration and power you are one of them. You are not called just to the futility and just giving. I'm not called to just giving my life to so many futile things and chasing the American dream. We are called to demonstrate the heart of God to a broken world. Guys, we need to allow our hearts to be revolutioned by this thing. For real, it's not a game. It's not a good idea or a concept. It's not a story in a book. It's God pleading with earth, saying sons and daughters are Now it's no more games. Come on, put them down. Now is the time. Now is the time. Now is the time. This is not a Sunday message. This is tomorrow and Wednesday and and every other day. I need to remind myself I'm going to see him face to face. His eyes are going to be burning with fire. It's worth it. It's worth it. I will see him, my maker. He will say to me, I'm pleased. Welcome. Come on. It's okay we can get excited. You know what? He's coming on a horse too. Crazy. He's going to part the skies. Come on. We say it because you know what? It goes against just the, the, the ideas, the, the, the rational thinking of man. God is coming back for a ready people. Are we going to be ready for them? Is this, this message going to be one of the many that are replayed before you when the excuses arise? Because you know what? There's only going to be one moment of regret when we see them. And we see, like Leonard Ravenhill says, all the riches. All the riches in God. All the accessible riches in God that we could have partaked in in our walk. And we just gave ourselves to so many other things that we had an invitation into the heart of God. He was looking for partners. It says his eyes were searching to and fro in the earth to, to make himself known through them to the earth. There's so many people, little girls getting ravished, things that we don't even comprehend. And we're silent because we, we want to appease and we don't want to offend or step on the toes. He said he, it's, the, the message was mercy that he sent a warning to them. That guy wasn't like, shoot, I don't want to get anybody upset, so I'm not going to tell him. He said, there's something coming. There's a judgment coming. There's something coming. Are you ready? Be ready. Be ready. Same with us. There's something coming. I'm not the only, it doesn't take a prophet to to say it. There's There's a trajectory that's taking place in our day. And there's only one thing in my opinion that's going to change that trajectory. It's not going to be good teaching from the pulpit. It's going to be radical demonstrations of the love of God in the earth on the day-to-day basis. It's going to be hearts representing Jesus rightly and people coming into a saving knowledge of the gospel because of what they see in your life when you go to work, when you go to school. Right? One chance to see it. This is a this is a good message. I know I get intense. But this is invitation. This is God saying... I, you know, Jehoshaphat, I love it. At the end of 2 Chronicles 20, you guys can read it. He says, you know, in, in all his days, he, he uh, what does it say? <laughs> that he walked upright in the sight of God, and he didn't depart from it. But that's not true. Through his life, he was riddled with bad choices. But, but God sees us so different. Come on. He walked upright. There was a bent in his heart. There was a lean. There was a struggle. Constantly trying tear him down. But there was a lean saying, God, you are my dependency. You see it. I mean, we, we can see a thousand kings throughout the Bible, maybe not that many, but a lot of kings throughout the Bible, that they would not get down on their faces before God, especially in front of their people, a sign of weakness, get in the dirt before God and say, we have to pray and fast. I don't have the answer. The one that could say one single word in that messenger who brought him that bad news was going to be killed because he brought him bad news and it got him upset for the day. But there's something, guys, that, that God's looking to cultivate us in, in you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I want to respond to God, right? Well, man, we can get good information all day long, but it's, it, it's garbage if it's not applied. Rubbish. You know what Paul said when he was talking about all his credentials to the Philippians? He, all his credentials, he said, you know, as a Hebrew of Hebrews, according to the law, I was faultless. You know what that means? He didn't sin according to all the requirements and rules of the law. That's what Paul said out of his mouth. According to the law, I was blameless. But I consider it rubbish compared to knowing Jesus, this saving knowledge. All these credentials, all these good ideas, or good fancy ways and, and props. And I'm all for props, I'm all for cool messages. But if it's not moving the heart of people like myself to something, what's it for? So we could build a church? So I can wait, I, I, I left a cookout to come here. I'd rather do that, seriously, than sit and just hear another good message that I'm not going to do anything with. It's about you, it's about me, and what our responses to God are. Daryl, can you get up there? I know that was quick, but. you want to say something? Oh, yeah. I heard you on the piano earlier. Come on, man anointed. (laughs) So I just want to, why don't we all just stand up. And uh, if, if on some level, just take a minute. it's one I just feel like in the heart on the heart level someone saying I hear come but I don't see how I can come to God with what I have God is so opposite of being unapproachable He, he literally gave everything that he had so he could be approached When he says come, he means come. Come as you you are, not fix yourself up and get to a certain place where you feel acceptable. But come as you are. Come, Come to me. He wants you. He wants you as you are. He wants you in all your weakness, all your bondage and brokenness or whatever. He wants us. Spirit, I just ask you would settle on our hearts and every uh, wrongful thought or idea about you that is hindering us from receiving today, I just pray for a moment of grace. I pray for a lifting of heaviness, God, a lifting of veils, and Lord, I just pray that you would show who you are in this place, Jesus. We want to know you for real says your kindness is from everlasting to everlasting, that you're slow to anger and rich in love, abounding in kindness. You're merciful. It's new every day. Come. Come to me. I have not forgotten you. quick to move for right now. You know, just try, try hard. I know it's hard to focus sometimes, but try to just just go there and ask the Holy Spirit what he'd like to do. Be hungry for him. He wants to engage with you. Hearing him say over and over and over again, I want you. 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 Son, daughter, I want you. Come to me. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. I just want to take two minutes and, you know, it's just a good, like Daryl was saying the other week, good practice. You know, this message is about Jesus, the kindness and mercy of God that He responded to our sin. He responded to our rejection of Him with kindness and love by sending His Son, Jesus. You know, all throughout history we see one common theme, and that's people doing their own thing. And and God constantly calling out from generation to generation, I want you. And God sent His Son, Jesus. I know this is... I shouldn't even have to explain it, but so simple to some of us or so known, but... Let's get acquainted with it. Because of a separation in our hearts, because of sin that we were born with and that we engage on, God being rich in mercy, abounding in kindness, full of love for people, He sent His only Son, And His Son came and walked a faultless life on earth, and He gave everything. He stepped down from His throne in heaven, and He gave His life willingly on a cross as a blameless sacrifice to pay the penalty for our sins, to pay the consequence of our own transgressions, our own actions. But he didn't just die. He, he went into the grave and three days later he rose again and he ascended to heaven and he, see, he is seated there. Seated there. And it says there's a day coming where he's coming back for his bride, his people. And it says by faith in him, not by righteousness that's obtained by the law, not by righteousness that can be conjured up or done out of our own effort, but faith, something that produces righteousness. Faith in Jesus as the Son of God. You can know God and you can be pardoned from your sin. You can be pardoned from God's judgment on sin. And if this is new to you or maybe not even new to you, if this is something that you feel the tug of the Holy Spirit pulling your heart, I encourage you just to pray with me. You know, it's not even about a prayer. It's about just talking to God. Just in your own words, speak to him. Confess your wrongdoing to him and receive the gift of life that is only received by faith, meaning you receive it at face value. And then secondly, I just want to take a couple minutes here. Uh, If anyone wants some prayer in regards to even to anything, just for a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit, fresh touch from the Lord. You know, you've got some big obstacles in your way that seem like they're not going to move. And you just want to get that strength. There's people that are so willing to pray for you up here. I just encourage you to come on up while Will plays the piano. We'd love to pray with you and just to believe God with you to do the impossible. Amen.
1: Thank you, Noah. Five seconds, you know, um, these last two Sundays, see that the Lord is kind of exhorting us in the area of response. What is our response? You know, What is our response to things like money? What is our response to things like pressure that mount up in work or school? What is our response when we're having a bad hair day? When things don't seem to be going the way that we want them to go? What is our response? That's what I hear in these two messages. And I just think about this story of Jehoshaphat not knowing how to respond. But just look to God, looking to God and worship as a leader, it's quite profound. And I've always said, guys, that the best response to any calamity, any hardship, any affliction, you know, you, I know Noah referenced your best life now, but you try preaching that in uh, Iraq right now. You try, you try telling those people that they're not going to suffer, they're not going to pay for their faith in Christ. It's a farce, guys, we're going to. We're going to go through things. And luckily, something like that isn't on our shores right now. But you know what? Heaven forbid, if it ever did, because some of us, our faith would be so weak. (laughs) And that's really the essence of these messages is to strengthen us that when we are having that off day, that our response is one of worship and not of my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God has not forsaken you, friend. And there's always something that the Lord's trying to show us in affliction. There's always something that the Lord's trying to show us when there's conflict. There's always something that God's trying to do in us when we're having a bad hair day. Always. Matter of fact, I don't know if you're anything like me, but when in those seasons and those times when all is well and all is going good, there's this tendency to get lost in the bliss of that and almost forget about God. But you know when I really start looking to God, when the pressure starts mounting in on every side. Guys, there's a lot of pressure in this life. God wants to put a resolve in us that we can stand by faith, not feelings. Feelings are going to mislead you, friend. They're going to let you down. But faith, faith in Christ, faith and knowing that he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. You know, that was what was so powerful about David's life, right? He's having a bad day. What did he do? Exactly what Noah said. He starts to recall the goodness of the Lord. And in times when the Lord did answer his prayer or bring him into breakthrough. And there's just, there's just there's that nature of a fighter I think God is trying to get in on the inside of us where we're not Bowing to every pressure, not getting a bad attitude, this and that. And I just think it's all preparation for the final day. That may seem like a very drastic statement, but I really do feel it's, it's all to get us to re- rely on faith and not on feelings. Because God, the Bible says that He'll have to shorten the day because the intensity of what we'll face will be so drastic that even the most elect, even the most strong, will become weak. God, listen, you may be in school studying for this and that. You may be in a, a great job trying to achieve the American dream. But if you're a follower of Christ, there's something much more that's taking place. It's something much bigger than just education. It's much bigger than just getting that uh, that house with the picket fence. It's called Jesus is coming back, friend. And we get caught up, don't we, as Christians living here and now, seeing the here and now. I believe Jesus, through messages like this, he wants to lift our perspective. We're to live knowing that Christ is returning to the earth for his people, friend. You may get 80 to 90 years if you're lucky. This time is but a vapor, friend. Don't squander your life with regrets. Amen? Amen. I just want to back up. If there's anybody like Noah was praying, we are just making it a, a matter of importance to offer the greatest gift. It would be so foolish for us to assume that everybody here today is a believer in Jesus. And so what I want to do is if there is anybody here that wants to give their heart to Christ, you come and meet with me after service, I'm going to stay right here. And I want to pray with you and ask that Jesus would enter your heart. Amen? Amen. And then also, as Will plays, we'll dismiss, but as Will plays, if there's anybody here today that needs prayer for anything, don't leave without getting prayer. Don't leave without us agreeing together in prayer for whatever it is that you're facing. Amen? Amen? Everybody good? good. You can smile. It's church. It's good. Okay, listen. We're going to dismiss. Me and Noah are going to hang here while Maestro plays the Ivories. And uh, we're going to pray. Amen? We love you guys. Listen, go to church next Sunday.